Welcome back to Distorted Footprints, a critical refugee studies podcast. This is Sean, Jennifer, and Judy, and we are your hosts for episode 7, Intergenerational Differences in Mental Health Among Second-Generation Children of Refugees. While the previous episode discussed differences in political ideologies between first and second generation Vietnamese Americans, this episode focuses on mental health in Vietnamese and Cambodian refugee communities. Hi everyone, my name is Jennifer and we're here with Judy, Sean, and Darren, our guest interviewee. Um, We're going to be talking about um, mental health um, in refugee families. And Darren, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Darren Ung. Um, I just graduated from UCLA uh, this past June with a degree in ethnic studies as well. Um, yeah, hi, hi everyone. Um, just a little background on me. I'm Jennifer. I'm a fourth year um, education major with the minor in Asian American studies. Um, I guess I'll go next. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm a fourth year major, Asian American studies major, and yeah, I'm also a transfer student that helps. And my name is Judy. I'm a fourth year also majoring in Asian American studies. Please note that this episode includes graphic descriptions of violence, which may be distressing to you as a listener. Okay, so we decided to um, talk about mental health within refugee families just because um, it's not something talked about. Um, it's very taboo within um, Asian American families. Um, so we just wanted to interview Darren to get his perspective um, and some firsthand experience of what he experiences. Um, so I think I want to go into asking Darren his experience um, with his own mental health and his family. Uh, so like you too, uh, my dad is a Chinese Vietnamese boat refugee. He didn't come directly to the States. He came, I think he went to Thailand and then lived in the Philippines for a year and then lived in San Francisco for a year or two and then finally came down here. And then my entire mom's side of the family, my maternal side, they are all Chinese Cambodian survivors of the Cambodian genocide. Uh, so definitely a lot of trauma that they don't talk about. They saw dead bodies, they had to walk past dead bodies, uh, the sight and smell of blood, all of that. Uh, right now, my relationship with my dad is okay. It used to be worse because of a language barrier too. And I think that comes with a lot of our immigrant families between the first and second generation. Uh, I'm first generation American born. And my parents came here when they were already in their 20s. So it was a little bit um, trying to understand them whenever they speak to me and speak English, it's a bit hard. Um, And my mom, uh, all of my brothers and I have the toughest relationship with her because she she has such bad depression and all sorts of the mental illnesses that she refuses to get help. Uh, She's been admitted into a mental hospital before Uh, She was admitted into the hospital maybe 10, 12 years ago. And then it's like Jen said earlier, the taboo topics of mental health are not really discussed about. Um, Even when I'm with my mom's side of the family, 
we make a joke now, like at family gatherings, that my mom is the second oldest of five siblings. And when my aunties and uncles are around and they're talking about her, my brother and I just joke, say like, you mean your sister? Because that's not my mom. So I think my, the way my family and my brothers deal with it, we just kind of laugh it off. We laugh off the mental illness and we laugh off the depression, but there's no other way to accept it really besides laughing because you can't really change it. My mom refuses to get help. Uh, my dad is a little bit older now, so he's not as stubborn with his ways and not as old fashioned because I can, I'm able to talk to him. So in terms of mental health, I think it could be worse, you know, like my mom and dad, they could have been drug addicts, they could have been crack addicts, you know what I mean? Uh, they did their best to take care of me, and I just try my best to come from their perspective of what they went through and what they survived, and be as compassionate as possible without hating them, you know, for what they did or how they raised us. Yeah, kind of like being the bigger person kind of thing. Coming from um, my dad's side of the family here, he was um, Vietnamese refugee, boat refugee, and came over with his dad on a boat. And he had very different ways of like raising his children. And it was more on like the aggressive side. But I think partially it's because like his dad was really harsh on him during these times. And it's kind of like you're you were forced to be under these conditions. So I think, you know, with my mom being more Americanized, it was really difficult in the household to try to balance that. So there was a lot of fighting and stuff like that. And it wasn't until, until I took a couple of classes about, you know, where he came from and stuff like that, that I really understood the struggles that he went through. And that's how I was able to kind of relate to him. If anyone can bounce off of that. Yeah, um, my mom was a boat refugee too, as well as um, my dad. And um, they were just always in survival mode and always stressing about money and trying to put food on the table and all that. And it really affected their marriage. And there was a lot of um, arguing, domestic violence and all that. And I thought it was normal to just basically be depressed and sad and all that and just have all this stress on me um, but it wasn't until I came to UCLA and I took an Asian American studies class and I became aware of all the issues that you know Asian American families deal with um, that I started to take into account my own mental health and reached out for help I luckily, like my experience, like I got um, an outside therapist through CAPS referral because um, I was kind of going through it like heavily. Um, what year was it, Darren? I think Your it was my second year. year. Yeah, my yeah. second year. I was like going through it and me and Darren are friends. So he saw it like firsthand, like I wasn't getting out of bed. Like I would only show up for work because I needed money to um, pay for my tuition um, but, you know, I'd stop answering his phone calls and all that, um, and I finally got a therapist <clears throat> after Darren, um, he kind of motivated me to get a therapist and told me, like, it was okay to seek help, um, because for so long, like, I didn't want to seek help, I just thought, um, it wasn't, it wasn't okay, 
like my mom just instilled in my head like just get through it and she still says that to this day um but I got a therapist and I remember I was like having suicidal thoughts and she was like okay we'll meet tomorrow morning or if you want to talk now like at midnight we'll talk but I remember relying on Darren a lot and um I'd always go to his apartment and we'd eat and um, just have like this family bond that like I never had with my own mom and my own family um, and just kind of finding my own people, my own family. I find family within my friends a lot um, just because there's so much to unpack with my own family, all the PTSD that my mom goes through and how she lashes out on me because of that. And I remember being so bitter towards her because of it. But talking to Darren, taking Asian American studies classes, realizing everything she went through and just taking everything she does to me with a grain of salt and um, just kind of forgiving her. And now I have a better relationship with her. And um, just because, you know, I don't hold anything against her because I know she's she's dealing with a lot and she doesn't have the same openness to um, get help, therapy and all that, like I do. Well, I rem talking about therapy and stuff like that, I remember coming out to my parents and I was like the worst thing ever because you know there was no emotional support or stuff like that and immediate support and that's like kind of what I needed especially coming out of high school and stuff like that so um I was in community college at the time and I was like okay I'm gonna go therapy and it was great and all but the worst part is going back to them saying that I got therapy and they thought I was crazy they thought like why are you going to these people for help like they're not going to do anything for you like you're already damaged as is and I was like okay like you know what I can't come to you for anything anymore so I decided you know friends became family and eventually that just dug me out of a hole like I ended up transferring and achieving something much more so I felt you know after transferring I wanted to kind of you know focus on that in, in terms of like career goals you know so mm -hmm. you know therapy is just really really dif difficult with with my parents and you know I just left it at that yeah I mean I have never told my mom I go to therapy just because I know she would flip out. Um, I remember one time I did like tell her like, oh, like I'm depressed mom. Like, and she like <laughs> went crazy and was like, no, you're not, you're stupid, all this stuff. And that like really um, took a toll on our relationship. And I thought like we could never recover from that. But like I said, you know, I put everything behind me. Um, but what about you, Darren? Like, have you um, had any any experiences with your parents, like talking to them about mental health? Uh, yeah, I think the most prominent one I remember was when I was in high school and I had broke my leg playing volleyball. I just recovered from surgery and the meds were like super strong. They were like- Like heavy um, narcotics. Heavy, yeah, heavily strong. Like 
it was I was woozy in and out. So mm-hmm. when I wasn't taking the medication, I was in a lot of physical pain. Um, and I remember just crying from the pain because in my opinion, I think crying is safer than lashing out and like, you know, throwing stuff, breaking things. So when I'm emotionally distressed, I cry and I, I let myself cry. But my mom was there and she and I was telling you, and I was crying to her, and my, my eldest brother, who he and I are 12 years apart. And I had told him, like, oh, this hurts. Like, it really hurts. And I hate this right now. I can't move. When I would have to use the restroom, I would literally sit on the floor, pick myself up with the two hands and then push off. And that's how I dragged myself to the toilet to go pee, poop and shower. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there crying and my mom literally laughed at me again. She goes, ha, ha, ha. And she like mocked the way that I was crying. She goes, oh, yeah, it hurts. And it was just very like, uh, to me, I wanted to, to hit her at that moment. But, you know, I'm not going to put my hands on my mom. But I want to yell at her like, you're so you lack compassion, you lack empathy or sympathy for your own son, you know, and then thinking about it now, it's because she, you know, she was a survivor of a genocide. Uh, She's in survival mode, like you said, she's always been in survival mode. Uh, The way that my oldest brother puts it is that my mom's side, they were all living on borrowed time. We were never meant to survive the genocide. We were never meant to escape to Thailand in the refugee camp and then come to the States. Uh, I'll just add um, a little bit of my story. So my father is a Vietnamese war veteran and he has PTSD as a refugee also. And he also emphasized how hard life was during the war without actually talking about it. And so he always lectured us um, about how important education is. And he always expected of us to be successful, to be able to take care of um, our parents in old age for you know, all that they have done for us without talking about it, without explanation. So silence was um, a huge defining element of refugee life and part of like um, being a child of a refugee. And so I wanted to ask, how do you go about um, these expectations your family have of you as refugee? Um, my niece, uh, my niece is like four, oh, she's five months, six months, I don't know, I lose track, she's a pandemic baby, so you know how you lose track of time, um, but no, I know definitely when my niece gets older, I'm just, every day, I'm just gonna remind her, like, do you know where your grandma and grandpa are from, when people ask you, like, what are you, or what's your ethnicity, you know, if I only hear, oh, I'm Chinese, I will sit down and talk, like, no, you're not just Chinese, like, you have several different ethnic backgrounds going on and you should you should be proud of who you are, you know, because as our generations come, you're gonna forget the history. You know, if you don't know your history, you don't really know yourself. Uh, for my brothers, my middle brother, I'd say he's not as passionate as learning about his family history and immigration, you know. He knows that my mom survived the Cambodian genocide and they're all a little bit cuckoo from, you know, surviving. My dad's side is the Vietnamese boat refugee side. But when it comes to my niece, they just know my mom and dad as grandma and grandpa that take care of her, that change her diaper. So I really want to instill that for, you know, my nieces and nephews that are to come. Like, do you know where you come from? Uh, Because even with my cousins that are my generation, uh, not all of them are on my maternal side. Yes, that not all of them even know that they came from Cambodia. When people ask, like, what are you? And they just say, oh, I'm just Asian. Uh, for myself, it kind of hurts me a little bit when they just say, oh, I'm just Asian. No, when they ask me where I'm from, I tell them, you know, like when I talk to guys now and they ask me where I'm from, 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, you want the short answer? You want the long answer? <laughs> like, oh, the long answer? I was like, okay. First off, if you want to start, like, my mom is DHU Cambodian. The next question is, what is DHU? And then I tell them DHU is another uh, ethnic indigenous group in China that we're four generations removed from China because of communism. We fled China to Cambodia and Vietnam, and then communism was in Cambodia and Vietnam again, so we fled to America. So that's just my mom's side, and my dad's side is Cantonese-Vietnamese. And they're like, oh, is Cantonese the same as Mandarin? And then I give them the breakdown. But if they really want the short story, I'm like, I just tell them I'm Theodore Cambodian, Cantonese, Vietnamese. And if they don't know what it is, I'm like, Google. Google is not that hard. You literally type in T-E-O-C-H-E-W, it'll pop up. Like, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I do and carry about my history and how, you know, we're living on borrowed time. So the best way to live out uh, those who didn't make it out of Cambodia or Vietnam is to live it on through me and remember their memory. Um, thank you so much for your time, Darren. Um, I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, I thank you for all your insight on all your experiences. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I knew you would be the perfect one for this podcast because you can go on and on about all the trauma we've been through and we literally sit and have coffee and dumplings and talk about our trauma so um, yeah I just wanted to reinstate that you know this podcast was just supposed to be an informal thing to talk about um you know the things that not everyone is okay talking about and it's okay to prioritize your mental health and it's okay to, you know, take everything that your parents tell you with a grain of salt. They've been through a lot. If you listen to them and talk about their times in the refugee camps, it's gruesome. And I honestly don't know how my mom is still here, um, but she is and I'm thankful. And although she's inflicted a lot of trauma on me that I'm still going to therapy for, Um, it's okay we all have the resources to seek mental health uh, mental health help and all that and Sean if you Sean and Judy if you wanted to add anything Uh, well yeah so I definitely agree with the ongoing issue like saying that like it's not just you know the times that they inflict the trauma, it's, like, still ongoing, um, because, like, my mom still looks at me differently now, and I, like, never go home, so I think it's, like, knowing that you have the resources, that's, like, the best part, but the only thing is, it's different for me, because at community college, it was very accessible, so I like to emphasize on, you know, on that part, where it's, like, in a bigger university, you're, you're kind of, like, competing, still competing with, like, spots, rather, like, a community college, I just walked in there, and they're, like, okay, yeah, we have a, you know, someone to take you in, and mm-hmm. then, like, I would schedule an appointment, it's not even months in advance, it's, like, one week later, or, like, maybe even two days later, mm-hmm. so I think, I think coming into a bigger university, I wanted to give back to, like, the smaller communities, because I think, you know it's important to you know have like fast accessible like therapy sessions instead of like waiting like a whole two months which really shocks me because what happens if like yeah like 
you're having like suicidal thoughts and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah you need you need to wait two months like that's kind of ridiculous yeah that's why um you know i really emphasize talking to friends um or just finding family and somebody it doesn't have to be blood it doesn't have to yeah. be anything like that just find your person um for those dark moments and it's like now that everything is you know now that we made it so that like we can do zoom i think you know having online resources is really good like looking into that okay well once again thank you so much darren for coming on to this podcast that we have <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to this podcast you know i know it's early in the morning um and also thank you uh jennifer and judy for you know for i guess doing your part in this sharing our experiences sharing your experiences i feel like this itself was like a therapy session you know kind of like a a little a little debrief moment you know um Thank you, Derek, yeah. for coming back into the academic world after graduating and talking about your experience. I know, it's like you almost never left. Like, <laughs> I love this place too much to leave. Okay, well, I'll see everyone in the next episode.